I, I want to talk about this new era a little bit. I was going to talk about get back into trust and re-establishing trust, but I felt like God put something on my heart yesterday about... Phil said he's not quite, quite sure how this new era kind of looks like, and I felt like God gave me a little glimpse into something that it might look like, so I wanted to share that with you. But before I do that, though, I, I want to um, help you see the seismic shift that has gone on in the world in which we now live. Because, um, of course, it was over a year ago that we started talking about this new era. And it's interesting to see what's happened since then. Um, let me just give you some highlights. So, uh, politically, things are happening that have not happened in 50, 60 years in our nation. Politically, some things are going on that are just brand new, that have not happened before. Um, it's fascinating to watch that and to see that. You might think it's wonderful. You might think it's the worst thing ever. That's not really the point. The point is some things are happening that are, there's a seismic shift in what's going on. If you think economically, this year the UK's overdraft grew to 200 billion pounds. 200 billion. It was 50 billion last year. This year... The government has basically run nearly most businesses and paid the wages of millions of people. It's never done that before. And particularly, the government would say it would never do that. But it did do it. There's been these massive shifts that have gone on. There's talk of things that we've never really talked about in this nation that seem to be coming to the fore and may well come to pass. Things that we've never, that in the past we've always gone, no, that's not British, that's not us, but it seems now that it may well be something that we do for whatever reason. Again, that may be good or bad, that's not the point. The point is things are happening that are brand new, that have never happened before. There are laws going through Parliament that mean you could get arrested just for praying for somebody in a certain way if it goes through like it does. That's never really happened before. Your ability to pray freely may well be threatened by some of the laws that are going through Parliament right now. That's never really happened before. Many people will never go back to their nine-to-five job in an office. That's never happened before. It has completely shifted. People who used to go into an office nine-to-five, Monday for it, many will not do that ever again. It just won't happen. Healthcare transformed completely. The last two appointments Faze had with a GP was a GP in London via a video call. We're brilliant. She got an appointment within five hours. I mean, I think it's fantastic. But, but you understand me, these things are radically changing. For many people, it's a new area because they've lost livelihoods, friends, family. Not seen family for, what must it be now, at least 12, 13, 14 months. Nigel was telling me about many people he met when he was down in London of, of European heritage who have not seen their family for 12, 18 months, not been able to go to funerals, not said goodbye. Things we never thought would happen have all shifted. So there's no doubt in my mind that even if you don't believe God's got anything to do with it, we are in a totally different place. And all these things have consequences. They all lead somewhere. And of course, we, we've used that, era, that word era deliberately because an era looks very different to a season. Moving from spring to summer means we hopefully get a bit more sun, but it's not really that big of a shift. But an era covers decades. Think of the Cold War era and what it went, meant when the Berlin Wall came down and that Cold War era ended. It changed life completely for those living behind the curtain. Suddenly they could walk across from East Germany to West Germany freely and see all these. There was a whole different world opened up to them. 
Think of an ice age and the dramatic shift and change in the global atmosphere in those times. There is no doubt in my mind we are in a completely new era. And it is a time of all those R words, reset, reboot, restore, reestablish, restart, readjust. Now this is not new to you because been, we've been teaching this stuff for the last 12 months. But one of the things I want to do this morning is I want to remind you of the things that I taught about 12 months ago and about six months ago. Because I want you to basically, in your mind, go, okay, have I done those things yet? Because they were all things that were really key about you getting into this new era in a way that would be good for you. And then I want to look at Matthew chapter 1. Because I believe one of the things that is going to be key in this new era is new connections. And I believe there are some new connections that, God has, that are already pregnant in the spirit, as it says in Matthew 1. But I want to teach you about how those connections come about. Because just because something is pregnant doesn't necessarily mean it comes to pass. And just because God says something doesn't necessarily mean it happens. Because any, any word that's prophetic is talking about a possible future that you can walk in. It's not a foregone conclusion. And so, um, I want to share with you about that. I have no idea where I'm at now, my notes. Oh, there we go. One of the key things about these new connections is that they will be organic. Now, organic in the dictionary means related to or derived from living matter. Or in terms of farming and food, it means produced or involved in production without the use of chemicals or other artificial things. So there's nothing artificial about these new connections. There's something about new connections with the Father, with the Spirit, with Jesus, with each other, inside and outside. But there's nothing artificial about them. They will be organic. These new connections do not need to be forced or artificially created in any way. They will be organic and natural. However... As we'll see, what we think is natural is not always what God thinks is natural. So the key is to look at these things with God's eyes, not our eyes. Because I think we've missed some connections and we're in danger of missing connections if we don't look with his eyes. But first of all, before we get on to all those connections, I want to go to Isaiah 43. Uh, because we, I um, kind of went back to these words a number of times last year and I want to remind you of them. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert rivers in the Badlands. So, little recap of these things. Don't keep going over old history. We said that we need to let bygones be bygones. We need to let it go. It was painful, it was difficult, but it was last week, last year, last decade, or even last century. And we just need to let it go now. You can't get into this new thing if you're carrying the weight of the old. It's like trying to run with a ball around you, a chain and ball around your leg. And picking at it like an old sore and wondering why it never heals doesn't help. So we've got to stop keeping going over old history. We've got to, we've got to find a way to forgive. We've got to find a way to find healing. We've got to find a way to move forward. Because it will stop you getting into what God's got for you. And then we're talking about be alert and be present. And we've talked a lot about being present, about being awake, about being alert. And um, that's really, really key. Because it's not possible to borrow someone else's readiness. So this was all from Matthew 25 and the parable of the uh, ten young ladies and the bridegroom comes late and they didn't have enough oil and they were not really ready for when Jesus turned up is the mention of the parable. 
It's not possible to borrow someone else's prayers, Bible study, or accountable relationship. It doesn't matter how close you get to somebody. You, you can't have my relationship with Jesus. You have to have your relationship with Jesus. You can learn from it, and you can watch, and you can imitate, as Paul says, but, but you can't have it, because it's mine, because I worked hard at it. And of course, you're responsible for it, and I'm responsible for mine. But there's a great need to keep being alone. Sleeping and chilling is very easy. Preparing yourself for when Jesus turns up is a little harder. But we've got to stop making excuses for why we can't do this or can't do that, why we can't pray, can't read, can't pick up the phone, can't listen, can't go for a walk, can't change. It's important we make time to be ready. Because you can't borrow it off anybody else. You are responsible for you. You're responsible for your learning, your growth. You're also responsible for your connections. You are responsible for your connections. And I, I, some of us, of course, like connecting with people. We're extrovert. Ellie loves people. Lockdown was an absolute killer for Ellie because she just, she lives off people and vibes off people. And her idea of a good time is in a room with tons of other people. It's my idea of hell on earth. But it's her idea of a great time. It's not really. But I'm an introvert. If I want to do what I want to do, I'll go, I'll go for a walk on the Mars with my dog and I'll sit in a cafe with my book. My idea of a great day. But you see, no matter whether we're extrovert or introvert, we need one another. And we have to, so some of us, it's hard, some of us love getting with people, it's not difficult, we love it. We have to learn to spend time on our own with Jesus. Don't we, Ali? We have to learn to do those things. We all do. We have to learn to sit in silence and just get used to that. And that's difficult. And those of us who are introvert have to, have to enjoy going, no, I I'm not going to sit and read my book. I'm going to go and go for a walk with somebody. I'm going to talk with somebody. I'm going to listen. I'm going to express myself. And it's vital that we learn to be more alert and present because what Jesus is doing is something brand new. This is not something that is pulled out from the back of a cupboard and dusted down. It's not something that's been recycled. I believe it is brand new. And if it's brand new, it hasn't been seen before. This is not like an iPhone 12 that's slightly different from an 11. This is like the original iPhone coming out that's totally brand new and has never really been seen before. This is not an incremental change. It's a shift into something brand new. So you can't look at what was and go, it's just going to be this tweaked. No, it's not going to be that tweaked. It's going to be something of a whole new dimension, I believe. It's not a replay or recycled or even upcycled. It's actually brand new. So, so we've got to stop looking for a repackaging of something that we know and upgrade to what is and get our mind around the idea that, that even in these connections, there might be something brand new. Now, that might be something brand new in an existing connection. It might be a brand new depth. I hope so. That's my prayer. It might be a brand new connection. It might be a brand new way of connecting. Or it might be a brand new connection with somebody who you don't even know exists right now. And Isaiah talks about a road through the desert. That means he's pioneering pathways into uncharted territories. In other words, there are ways through and into places you have never been before. And I believe in terms of connection, there are some new ways through that you have never been before in terms of depth of connection and in terms of new connections and in terms of connecting with the Father in whole new ways. New ways through available. And it's already there. 
It's already sat there. Rivers in the Badlands means he's making previously uninhabitable places habitable. Maybe there's connections with, with, with people that previously seemed uninhabitable. They seemed not places you could go, but now they're going to be places you can go. It's all possible because it's a picture of a possible future. But for it to become reality in your life and the lives of those you touch, you have to heed the instruction, which is why... I hope you've been listening for the last 12 months. But I want to get on to new connections. And I want to read to you Matthew. I was going to get some people to read it, but I forgot to give it out. So I'm going to read it. Um, as you'll see, it's a very exciting chapter. But I'm going to read the whole of Matthew chapter 1 to you. But keep listening. And as you're reading, ask yourself, why is that there? This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Matan. Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Wonderful bit of scripture, isn't it? Of course, most of us uh, skip past the long list of strange names. Um, but they are there for specific reasons. One of the things I've been saying in, in life groups is that, that there's not a lot in the Bible. So what is there is really important. There's a reason all those things are there. There's, there's a number of reasons. But remember, before I, I go on to explore it, that one of the key words here is organic. 
which means it's derived from living matter or it involves production without artificial things. So there's nothing artificial about any of these new connections. They're going to come out of existing living matter within you. They'll come about naturally. They don't need to be forced or artificially created in any way. They will be organic and natural. But as we're going to see, what we think is natural is not always what God thinks is natural. And one of the keys to experiencing these new connections that I believe God has got for us is to take off the blinkers as to what we feel is natural and normal and align ourselves with what God says is natural and normal. Because I think in the past we've missed some connections because we've looked with our natural eyes. We've looked at somebody's interests, hobbies, age, gender, whatever, and tried to make connections on that basis or felt that because somebody was much older than us or much younger than us or not really interested in anything we're interested in, then there's no connection there. But I think as you'll see, God is interconnecting you and it may well be the last person you have thought of humanly because he's not into a human connection, he's into a spirit connection at a much deeper level that will bring something much more than any human connection ever could. I'm talking about spirit-inspired connections that connect spirit to spirit and go way beyond any connection on an interest, age, stage of life, kids, work, basis, whatever. Now that long list of names is all about the connections Jesus had. It's all about the connections back to his forefathers. You may not find it very impressive, but to a first century Jew, it was very impressive and very compelling. If other Jews would have talked about their history and their tree, and you have to remember that you know, our family tree doesn't mean a great deal to us right now, but 2,000 years ago, who you were was whose son you were, and whose grandson you were, and whose great-grandson you were. That was key to your identity. And so Matthew traces, Matthew's writing for Jewish people, and he traces this line from Abraham through to King David, so now it's a royal line, which is a massive political statement because there's already a king of the Jews. And he traces him to Jesus and says, no, this is the true line. And Herod at the time um, was not really fully Jewish, was just a military commander that basically the conquering army had put in to fulfill their Middle Eastern agenda. Huh, nothing's really changed, has it? A conquering army putting a puppet king in to fulfill their Middle Eastern agenda. Anyways, um, so that goes on there. But really, and, and then he traces him all through the exile. Well, most people had lost track of all the kings through the exile. So there's this incredible lineage of Jesus that Matthew goes, he's saying, hey, this guy, this guy can trace his heritage all the way back through the exile, through a David, the first king, all the way back to Abraham to the beginning. He's rooted back somewhere. But it's fascinating the people that are in the list. It's fascinating the way Jesus' birth comes about, which is not really natural or normal, but it's also the strange ways this royal family line is there. So you have, you have Judah, who treats his sister-in-law as a prostitute. You've got Boaz, who is the son of a Jericho prostitute. You've got David, who committed adultery with Bathsheba. You've got all these people, and like Matthew's going, hey, this is not a normal family line. There's all this weird stuff going on that most people go, that's not right. But out of this family line comes Jesus. Out of this family line that's full of all these things that most people would go, well, they're terrible and they're horrific. And Matthew goes, no, this is the family line of Jesus. He shouts it loud and proud. Think of your spiritual family line. And think of whether you would shout it loud and proud or not. No matter 
what everybody else thought of it. When people read this, there may well have been a number of people who were not happy. There may have been people, who would celebrate that? Who would celebrate that you're the, you're the son of a, a couple of prostitutes and an adulterous affair? Oh, and a murder thrown in as well because he murdered the, woman he, the husband of the woman he slept with eventually. But Matthew goes, Matthew celebrates it. He celebrates his spiritual DNA, celebrates his line. I love it. This royal line is far from what you might expect, but perhaps one of the reasons I felt led to this passage yesterday was that we should expect the same. It perhaps won't be who and how you think it will work out, but it will work out for your good. It's an interesting thing to think about your spiritual family tree. Not, not your, your, your kind of Jesus blood family tree. Not your own DNA, because apparently the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than even your DNA. And you are linked by the blood of Jesus, which is more powerful than any other blood. So when people ask about my family tree, I'm going, okay, well, which one do you want? The one the world knows or the one Jesus sees? Because I've got two family trees. And I'm blessed to have them both. But it's an interesting exercise to write down and just see what connections you've already got. Who have you already got? Who's already impacted in different ways, isn't he? What cousins, brothers, aunts, uncles, grandmas, mums, dads, sisters, sons have you already got? Some of you need to do that. Just write it down so you can see in front of you, wow, look at all these connections God's given me. And then get it out the next time you start moaning that you ain't got any friends. Matthew 1 and verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love that phrase, pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And of course the story is about, it's a very familiar story about the birth of Jesus. But I also saw it as a story about miraculous new connections and some of the principles that are important if we are to experience those miraculous new connections. Because I sense that there is lots of, lots of us, many of us, if not all of us, in one way or another, are pregnant with the Holy Spirit for new connections. You are pregnant with a new connection somewhere in the Holy Spirit. It's in you already. But there are some principles we've got to follow so that that embryo of a new connection can actually spring forth in a fullness of life. You see here, <clears throat> Mary was already pledged to be married to Joseph. So they'd already decided, or rather the families of Mary and Joseph, because it would have been an arranged marriage, have already decided there's going to be a new connection. They've already agreed there's going to be a new connection. There would be an expectation that Mary would produce children, and lots of them, because most of them would die. So you, there's an expectation that new connections are going to come about. But we read that before they came together, a new connection had already been formed. Before they came together, God had made a new connection in Mary's womb. And I think that's key. I believe God has already put in place new connections between you and him, between you and others inside and outside this church family. But just because there is a new connection in the spirit doesn't mean it will happen automatically. You see, think about this. I, I believe that somehow... 15 odd years, 16 years ago when Paul and I, my met, there was a connection in God before. But Paul had to listen to that connection and, 
Then Nan rang me up and went, do you want to go out for lunch with him? And I had to go, yes, please. And I had to sit with him. And then we made that connection a reality. And then every day since then on, we've had to keep making that connection a reality. Sometimes we've had to fight for that connection. Sometimes at great cost to one or both of us. I was, in a, I was in a meeting last year and I listened to somebody speak and I was like, I just knew there's something in this man that I am meant to get to know. There's something in him that I've got to connect with. But then I had to do something about it. So at the end of the meeting, I got up, little introvert me, got up, went, sat down, and just started talking to him. Well, that's not, I don't, it's only the last two or three years I've been here to do that. I know it's pathetic, but it's true. It's just true. But I've had to learn. Okay, well, if there's a connection, I've got to go pursue it then. I've got to get up off my mum and actually talk to somebody to make this spirit connection that's pregnant in the spirit alive in reality. And then later on, I had to email him and say, can I come and see you? And he said, yeah, of course you can. I'll no, no, no. No, I want to make, I'm going to come to you. So I did. I got on a train. Two hours up there, two hours back. Paid for it. Gave the time. What was I doing? There was a spirit connection and I went I want to make this a reality which cost me I had no idea whether he would receive me whether he'd want to spend time with me whether it, whether when we talked some more I'd be disappointed who knows I, I could have just seen something and then I could have talked to him some more and gone oh actually you, yeah this is not gonna now thankfully that's not happened and I'm, I'm believing it was but what I mean is there's a connection there, but I had to do something to make it a reality. God has already made connections, I believe, for us in the spirit. But here's the thing. It may not look like you think it should, even if your heart is in the right place. Listen to the next verse. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph, because he's a righteous man, his heart's in the right place. He's thinking in the right way. And he's going, okay, I don't think this can be anything good because look at the state of it. We're not married. She's pregnant. I know I haven't touched her, so she must have touched somebody else. This is in a shame on a culture. This is not like today. And it's not just him. It's about his family and his family's family and his whole generation. But the connection in Mary's room was a God connection, but it didn't look right, didn't feel right to him. So he tries to sever that connection. He thinks, I'm gonna, I need to sever it. But he'd not realized yet it was a God connection. How many times have we done that? Severed connections because we think they didn't look right or it was going to cause us some reputational damage or pain. His heart's in the right place, of course. He's thinking of his family and their reputation. He's thinking about minimizing the pain. But he does something very special. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, take her home, it's from the Holy Spirit. You see, he bothered to spend some time considering the situation. The Greek means he pondered it. He deliberated over it. He didn't just throw it out. He was willing to ponder it, deliberate, deliberate over it and consider it. And as he does so, God speaks to him and says what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to throw something away because it don't quite fit with what you think it should look like, but actually it's conceived of the Holy Spirit. You see, I realize God's spoken to me in all sorts of ways recently, often through, you know, if I, if I decided 
that people who didn't have the same theology as me, God couldn't use them, I would have missed a load of stuff God said to me. If I decided that I didn't want to liaise with Catholics, well, I'd have missed a whole load of stuff. If I decided that an Anglican vicar couldn't speak the word of God to me and prophesy to me, I'd have missed a load of stuff. Now, I'm not sure I even knew we were prophesying, but I heard it as a prophetic word from God. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes we can go, well, they're not filled with the Spirit. How could they possibly speak the word of life to me? Well, maybe we should redefine what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But I believe that all the connections we need for this next era are already pregnant in the Spirit. They're already done before it's done. But too often we miss them because it's not with the people we want in the way we want when we want. And that's the problem. So instead of pursuing the God connection he has for us, we get upset at what we don't have or at connections other people have. But what we should be doing is pursuing the connections God's got for us. Allow me to let you in on a little secret. God knows what's best for you. And he knows the connections you need. The question is whether you were willing to follow his lead to connect you with the people you need like Joseph did. Even though it wasn't really what Joseph wanted and would have come at great cost to him and his family. He was willing to ponder, consider and make room for God to speak into the moment of connection. You know, it's the other thing that for Joseph to make that spirit connection an earthly reality, it cost him a lot. Reputationally, it cost him a lot. Maybe business-wise, it cost him a lot. You know, we're not going to buy a chair off that carpenter, seeing what he did. Who knows what it cost him? But I want to declare to you this morning that God has already put in place new connections in the spirit between you and him, between you and others inside this church family, and between you and others in your wider circle. But just because you are pregnant with it doesn't mean it will happen automatically. This is a sign of a possible future for you if you are willing to get into it. You are pregnant with new connections, and I desire that each and every one of them come to full term. But I want to finish by asking you some questions. Are there any current connections that are in danger of being miscarried because they have been mishandled? So this is not only about the new, it's about keeping what is already established alive. Sometimes you have to fight for your existing God connections. Sometimes we lose connections that we're meant to keep because we don't manage to navigate the ups and downs of relationship very well. Connections can be lost because of unforgiveness, because we forget to honor and respect and value the connections that God's given us. So first we have to ask whether there are any current connections that are in danger of being miscarried because they've been mishandled. You don't want to lose the God connections God's already given you. Secondly, are you limiting the connections God has for you because you're too fixed on what that connection should look like? Perhaps you've missed some connections because you're a little bit picky about who you you should be connected with. Perhaps you've already written off certain people for one reason or another. Perhaps like Joseph, you need to make time to consider, to ponder, and to seek the heart of God, mate, before you write off yet another person that's unacceptable to you. After all, they're like Boris. I couldn't possibly have a connection with them. Well, maybe maybe that's exactly the sort of person God's going to connect you with because he wants you to deal with that thing. 
don't be surprised if God puts you with somebody who, who think, you know, well, I couldn't possibly meet with them. They have not had the vaccine. Well, maybe God wants you to get with that person for that exact reason. You understand me? Like we, we cut people off on these ridiculous things. Oh, they voted Labour. I can't possibly be their friend. What the chuff? Come on. But think about these things. This could be a God connection that's going to transform your life. And because they don't vote like you, you're not going to be the friend. I know, but really, think about it. What's, so in, what's more important to you than becoming like Jesus and transforming this world? Because if it's things like whether you've had a vaccine or whether you like or don't like lockdowns or your political parties, well, sorry, but you're not going to get very far in the kingdom of God because he's going to ask you to lay all that down. And you may well find some of your best connections are people who think the exact opposite of you. Because if you're going to hold your opinions above relationship, you're going to lose. And that's what we see right now. That opinions become more important than relationship. But relationship's more important than anything. So don't be surprised. And you see, a lot of the time we cut these things off. We go, no, no, no. They, 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 don't, they don't know what my life's like. Well, if you spend time telling them, they will, will they? They will ever understand. Well, they have the Holy Spirit on the inside who can understand. They've not been through what I've been through. That doesn't stop somebody helping you and being your friend. It's got absolutely jack all to do with it. You see, we put all these limits on all the time. We've got to just take those limits off. And go, okay, God, who is it that you want me to connect with? And I'm going to go with that. Even though in the natural it may look a bit like, okay, wouldn't have picked them. What do you want? You want a relationship in the kingdom or a friend who you can all both agree with? Are you limiting the connections God has for you because you're too fixed on what that connection should look like? What price are you willing to pay? To making a new connection a reality on the earth. It will cost you to make a spirit connection a reality on the earth. It may cost time and money. It may cost some reputational damage. More likely it will cost you in terms of vulnerability. And going to a deeper level as trust as we talked about last week. That's often the reason we don't experience the fullness of our existing connections that are already there in the spirit. We're not prepared to be vulnerable enough to enjoy the intimacy God wants us to enjoy. So we have to ask what price we're willing to pay to make a new connection a reality. Or even to keep an existing connection. Next week, I think I was going to do it this week, but I think next week I'm going to share about how Jesus responds to people who basically turn the back on him and stick two fingers up to him it's a beautiful word not challenging at all you'll love it (laughs) what price are you willing to pay to make any new connection a reality on the earth last question in what ways have you tried in what new ways have you tried connecting with God I believe there are new connections with Holy Spirit at this time. But like connections with one another, it will take effort and time to birth that connection into reality. There are some new connections available. But it's just like a connection in the natural. It'll cost you something. You'll have to work on it. And of course, lots of us go, well, that don't work for me. Okay, well, it's like a kid trying new food, isn't it? Like, it don't work. I don't like it. 
Okay, well, when you've tried it 10 times, you can tell me you don't like it. Because you know what? Your taste buds adjust. They do. Your taste buds adjust. Slowly. And of course, you, we, kind of, we kind of treat Jesus a bit like a new food. It's like, well, I don't, I don't like that. I don't fancy that. No, this is on menu. I always have this when I go to this restaurant. Says me, you generally has the same things when I go to restaurants. But it's all right. I was going to say it anyway. You didn't have to. No, but you realize there's a, there's a massive menu available of all the ways you can interact with Jesus. And of course, a lot of the time, we just, we, we, well, I don't know, but I just think there's, I just want to encourage you to try it. Just give it a go. See what happens. This is really key though, and I've said it twice already, but I'm going to say it again. One of the key words is organic. There is nothing artificial about these new connections. They will come out of existing living matter within you, and they'll come about naturally. They do not need to be forced or artificially created in any way. They will be organic. But in order for them to be organic, you've got to listen to the promptings and leaders of Jesus. You've got to be willing to put aside all the reasons why you can't and look at why you can you've got to put aside all the that's not going to work that can't work they believe this they believe that they don't believe this they don't believe that and go okay but god okay and of course that involves a risk because you might find it don't quite work out which might be because you've got to work hard or it might be because you misheard don't really matter you've learned something and you've stepped out and you've moved in a new way and you've experienced something new and something fantastic. So, hey, this is not about just, oh, it's all going to be great. This is about learning and stepping out and just widening our view of who God might want us. Because everything in the world is doing the opposite. The world is narrowing your view of who you can connect with. It's narrowing your view of who's acceptable and who you can be in a group with and who you can be in a social group with. It's narrowing your view of what you can talk about. Well, of course, the kingdom of God always opens it up out. Always widens it. Always. That's what God does. He widens it all out. Okay, I want to encourage you this morning. I, I know I heard him say to me yesterday that there are new connections available and they're already pregnant in the spirit. Connections that will bring forth life and propel you or propel those you're going to connect to into your future or their good future. So as well, you've got it can't be about you. It might be the connections for somebody else. They might need you to connect with them for them to propel them. But they'll come about organically and they will cost you something. But I believe we're going to see it. But you'll have to be willing to open your view a little bit. And you'll have to be willing to just go for it a little bit. And you'll have to be willing to pay a price for it. But anything worth having costs. Anything of any value costs something. But I want to pray because I, I believe that um, I just feel like sometimes when I hear that, there's like a, a way I just release it into the environment somehow. And your kind of amen's powerful in that. Your amen and your agreement is like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm up for that. Okay, let's stand then. Come on, why not? And I just, I just want you to think about, first of all, any existing connections, because I think God's been, well, I know, because that's what he does. Any existing connections that feel like they might be a little bit loose, 
that you might need to go, okay, but I, I know that's actually a God connection. I've let, it, I've let it drop. I need to just catch it. Or I need to reaffirm it. Or I need to tell somebody I'm grateful or thankful for it. Father, we just lift, we want to thank you first of all for all our existing connections, Lord. All the, the, the ways, Lord, that we are connected in different people that bring us life. We thank you for every life-flowing connection, Father, that we've already got, wherever that comes from, Lord, whether we feel like it's a lot or a little, we thank you for them in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, if there are any places where we need to undergird or underpin that connection or repair that connection, Father, we pray that you would just speak real clearly to us about how to go about it, Father. And what to do? If we need to forgive somebody, Father, and reconnect, we pray, Lord, that you would enable us to do that in the name of Jesus. If we need to reaffirm a connection and express gratitude for a connection, we pray that we would move in that way and do that in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for new connections um, with you, new, new ways of connecting and hearing and listening. Father, we just release that to those who want to hear you in a new way, listen in a new way, connect in a new way. Father, I just release it in the name of Jesus, that pregnant sense of it, Father, that new connection and channel, as it were, open to you, Father. We just say that it's open in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, that we'll enjoy it, Father. I want to enjoy it, Father. I want to experience whole new ways of hearing and seeing, Father. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would, that I thank you Lord, that it is open and we release it in the name of Jesus. And then, Father, we want to thank you for the web of connections in this body, Lord. And I want to thank you for new connections in this body in the name of Jesus. New connections, divine connections that come from your heart that are pregnant there right now. Father, I pray, just, just put your hands over your eyes if you're up for this, because we're just going to take the blinkers off our eyes. Just we're going to tell Jesus that we don't, those blinkers we've had that, that have stopped us looking, that have caused us to not connect or not reach out. Lord, we just take them off in the name of Jesus. We say we want, um, we don't want tunnel vision, Father. We want to see properly. We want to see the connections you've got. We want to see beyond all the external things, Father, and see into the spirit and see those connections that you've got in Jesus' name, Father. And I want to thank you, Father, for the organic growth of those connections in Jesus' name. And Lord, those connections that are from you, I bless in Jesus' name. And I proclaim growth in the name of Jesus. And I proclaim supernatural acceleration on them in the name of Jesus, Father. And then, Father, we thank you, Lord, for connections externally, Lord. Connections in our workplaces, connections in our families, connections with other ministries and charities and places, Father. Connections, Lord, that are going to reaffirm us. Or connections that are going to release somebody else into their future. Father, we say we want to take it out, Father. We want connections out. We want connections with people who don't know you, Father. We can introduce the joy and the delight of knowing you, Father. We want people newly connected to you, Jesus, and to celebrate that new connection in you, Father. We want new connections that cause things to explode and expand in beautiful ways, Father. And we just proclaim that to, to go forth in Jesus' name, Father. We bless you. We thank you, Father. And we seal those things in in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.